1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective.
0: 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You'll appreciate that some preachers arrive on our shores with big reputations and amazing stories of faith and courage in dangerous situations. Well, few are more courageous or more colourful or even more controversial than the biker who decided to go to East Africa to save lives and repair homes destroyed by civil war. Sam Childers became known as the machine gun preacher, going into enemy territory to rescue kidnapped children. Well, for the past 25 years, Sam Childers has been a controversial figure because of the image of a preacher with a Bible in one hand and a machine gun in the other. He's back in Australia. You might know Sam Childers from his book, Another Man's War, or from the Hollywood feature film about his life called The Machine Gun Preacher, starring Gerard Butler. Well, Sam Childers, back in Australia. Sam, welcome along to 2020.
1: Hey, good to be here, man.
0: Sam, uh, your reputation.
1: It's been a long long couple of years with COVID and everything, so... (laughs) At least the countries are opened up, and I got the opportunity to be back here again.
0: I know you like coming to Australia. Uh, Your reputation goes before you. Uh, Let's talk about some of those early years and where this reputation comes from, Uh, joining Freedom Fighters. And uh, some listeners will remember the notorious cult leader Joseph Kony in Africa, and uh, you were uh, developing a reputation around his time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, some rumors are that Joseph Coney is dead, that he died. He was sick in the Congo. Uh, I don't believe he's he has died yet. I believe it's just uh, a lot of talk that he can kind of sneak back into the system, you know, kind of under radar like a lot of these rebel leaders will try to do. But I believe that he will be brought to justice one day.
0: And he, of course, notorious for kidnapping children. Now, if I'm quoting your website correctly, you say, I ask you, if a madman came in and abducted your child and I said to you, I can bring your child home, does it matter how I bring them home? Uh, That's controversial in itself because uh, it suggests uh, you're going to sort of traverse a few uh, ethical boundaries there. Uh, What are your thoughts here on getting children?
1: what 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 people need to realize too is i'm not just a preacher with a gun i run and own and operate a armed security company now so for about the last 15 16 years i run a security company so when you operate okay a security company in a third world country you have the same rights as a police officer i mean we're there to serve the people we're there to protect the people you know and one of our statements uh one of one of our mission statements is uh, to serve plus to protect
0: so serving and protecting and for those parents who've had their children kidnapped uh, you went to all sorts of uh, different uh, levels, uh, different dimensions, uh, different measures to get those kids back. How successful were you in rescuing and uh, setting these kids free?
1: Well, we will do almost anything that that we have to do. If, if somebody would kidnap my kid, I, I hope they would do the same thing to bring my child home. <clears throat> it's not about harming other people. I don't want to hurt anybody. But at the same time, a lot of these cult leaders, a lot of these rebel leaders, they, they are like a cult. They're demon-possessed. Somebody has to go save the children. Uh, I just started in the Congo now. I mean, I literally this past year started working in the Congo. So we got people in the Congo that are way worse than Joseph Kony ever was. What happened, we got rebel groups now, they're called ADF. Now, that's not for Australia. If you Google ADF Congo rebels, that's who I'm talking about. They have teamed up with Islamic State, and they have teamed up with ISIS. So you got three mad people, mad uh, rebel groups that have come together. So they make Joseph Kony look like an angel. So, I mean, it's unbelievable what's happening in the Congo right now. In the past few years, there's been over 7 million people displaced. There's been over 100,000 people <clears throat> murdered in the streets, and that's women, children, and uh, elderly. I mean, and we don't even hear about that. So there's there's another big problem going on right now in East Africa.
0: In amongst the chaos that you're describing, uh, there's also huge growth in the Christian church, uh, sub-Saharan Africa and East Africa. There are major things going on there. How do you Absolutely. reconcile all the chaos you're describing with, uh, with all the good things that are happening with the growth of the church?
1: You know, I can't really, I can't really give the statistics on Australia. But I believe that like countries like America, we don't have a big growth. I think we have a big falling away from the church. And I believe why there's a growth in Africa, they don't have anything else. So they believe stronger than we believe. I mean, almost like in America, if we go to church, we don't go to the altar for healing because we have in our mind, well, I have a doctor's visit on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll be going to the doctor. So we don't need a healing. We don't need a financial miracle. People in America, when they get in a bad problem and they need money, they go to a bank, you know. People in Africa, when they need a miracle from God, they get on their knees and they pray and they pray it through. You know, I was raised in the old church, the old church to where when your mama would say, we're gonna pray this thing through. You would get ready to sleep in the church because you knew you weren't going home until they had a breakthrough, you know. So that's how people are in Africa. When they start praying, they pray till they have a breakthrough.
0: Have you been that sort of person of prayer, Sam, when you were going through these challenges and you were a preacher of the gospel? And, uh, you know. No, if,
1: if you get the opportunity to get my book, Another Man's War, you know if you watch the movie machine gun preacher, it kind of shows a crazy preacher with a gun. But when you get the book, you see that it wasn't the gun that was being used. It was God being used. I mean, miracles, unbelievable. God sent miracles is how I've rescued all the children in the past. You know, people think, Oh, he's just out there using a gun. No, I mean, There was times that uh, one one story, for instance, we were driving down the road and we had a man on the roof with a machine gun, and God kept telling me, "Drive faster, drive faster!" And they was attacking a village. Over two hundred LRA rebels were attacking a village. When we come around the bend and we seen it, God said, "Start shooting your gun!" So I hollered up to Peter to start shooting his gun, and I looked in the side view mirror. As far as an eye could see was a cloud of dust. So when I looked back in front, the enemy started running. They thought an army was coming down the road. It wasn't an army. I had two trucks, five men, but the enemy ran away. Now, these are miracles from God. This is what has happened for 20-plus years in East Africa.
0: It's a bit of a Gideon story, isn't it? Uh, just the small, the small outfit of uh, against the army, and uh, and you've seen those miracles happen. So when you
1: find but yourself, that, that wasn't that wasn't one time. It wasn't two times. It has happened so many times over the years. One time we left, <coughs> we left the compound, and we got ambushed by the uh, LRA, and I drove the truck down into a ditch. And there was three of us, and we fought for probably two hours, shooting our guns, firing the guns. Well, after two hours, we only left that morning with one magazine for each AK, only one magazine full of ammo. When the, when the battle was done, the, the, the magazines were still full of ammo. We never lost one bullet. Now, how can that happen? God still does miracles in the battlefield.
0: (laughs) Here in Australia, there are increasingly, Sam, uh, wars of words. Uh, There are battles that are going on, ideological battles, as are happening in much of the Western world. (laughs) There's something, though, I want to ask you, because you've been there in the middle of a firefight, Real guns, real weapons, real ammunition, the real potential of dying. Let me ask you about courage, and perhaps there'll be some listening to our conversation today might take a little courage, given that we've got some wars of words, but they're not wars with bullets. Any thoughts here on courage and the way that, as a believer, you need to put some faith in God?
1: Well, I believe that when we are a believer, that means we're going into battle With Jesus Christ at our side and also in front of us and in back of us, so we we should be surrounded with the Holy Spirit when we go into battle. So whether it is a spiritual battle or whether it's a physical battle, what I ask Christians, where's your walk with God? Because so many times we put ourselves into battles, whether it's a spiritual battle, but we go into it with our own human resources, and we don't go into it with God. So I try to get people, make sure you are standing for a justice, for a fight for justice. You know, almost what's happening in the world today, you know, we, we got wars going on people don't even know about. There's a war in Ethiopia right now. The last couple years, over 6 million people displaced. Over 3,000 children under the age of 10 years old have been murdered. There's a war in the Ukraine right now going on. Everybody worldwide knows about the war in Ukraine. Is it because of justice or is it because of our economy that we know about the war in the Ukraine? Because everybody's talking about it. Worldwide, America, Australia, uh, UK, Europe, everybody's talking about this war. But in the war in Ukraine, now if there's one child that dies, my heart is broken. My heart goes out. But that war, as of the end of June of this year, there was less than 260 children killed. So do we know about this war because of justice, or do we know about this war because of economy? And see, when when when, when we're concerned about prices of gas, prices of oil, cooking oil, Prices of flour, that's that's not a war that we're concerned about justice. We're concerned about the money in our pocket.
0: Sam, you've been around long enough now, and you've seen wars come and wars go. You've seen very, very desperate situations. You've been in the firefights uh, rescuing children. You've seen things change. Times have changed. Let me just ask you, uh, been picking up some clues about what's going on in Sudan, where there's description now that in Sudan, which was really a war-torn nation, but there's now unprecedented religious freedom since the ousted president, Omar al-Bashir, was found guilty of corruption. So he's been before the courts, and things have changed. Is that true? Is that something you've noticed too, that when in some nations where there's war, others are, are becoming an easier place to share the gospel?
1: I don't know a whole lot about northern Sudan, about Sudan. You know, I work in South Sudan. South Sudan is a very unstable country right now. Uh, the economy is not very strong. You do have freedom of worship there. So you, you're not going to be persecuted for serving Christ in South Sudan. But the country right now, because of COVID because of the war you know the country has never had time to get back on its feet since bersheer has been taken out of office what you need to remember is when a country goes through a war when the war is finished it takes at least 10 years and we're talking about countries that are western countries that that have a that have a steady stable government it takes at least 10 years to start to rehabilitate them so when a when a country has a government that's not stable then it could take 20 and 30 years to rebuild that country and get them being stable again so south sudan is a country very unstable we need to really keep them in prayer there's a lot of starvation going on there Right now, if you do a little bit of Googling, you'll see East Africa only. I'm talking all the East African countries. By the end of next year, they're saying that nearly 50 million people will experience some type of starvation. Now, if you Google for the actual people they're estimating that will die of starvation, and this is World Food Programme, This is UNICEF, and they usually have some pretty good information on this. They say 28 million people in East Africa will die of starvation uh, by the end of 2023. So we have some serious problems going on, and and that includes Northern Sudan and South Sudan, Uganda, that includes Ethiopia. I mean, we've got a serious problem going on in the world today.
0: We'll talk some more about the serious problems going on in East Africa after the news. Just let me mention, uh, you're back on Australian soil, Sam, and for listeners in Shepparton, You'll be able to see Sam speaking tonight at the Encounter Church in Shepparton. Tomorrow night, he's in Wagga Wagga at the Baptist Church, and on Friday night at St. Clement's Anglican Church in Mossman in Sydney. Sam, have people been coming out in droves to see you deliver your presentation and hear your story?
1: Absolutely. Uh, almost every meeting has been standing room only, so it's been awesome. And once you hear me speak, you find out the message is not just about you to look at supporting Angels of East Africa as the organization that I work with. It's not about you supporting them. I think after hearing the message that I bring, it's about you. It's about you being motivated in your own community, in your own country. You know, So I believe I bring a message of hope and a message to motivate you.
0: Let's continue our conversation here. Let me ask you something pretty uh, uncontroversial uh, to kick off this section. Uh, Sam, do you still ride a motorcycle?
1: Absolutely. I have a motorcycle shop in America. It's run by my brother George. Uh, It's called MGP Rat Bike. So you can Google it. Uh, We sell all the riding gear. We sell motorcycles. We build motorcycles. So Uh, I got my first motorcycle. I just turned 60 this year. I got my first motorcycle at seven years old, so I've been riding 53 years now.
0: Well, come back to the movie that was made about your life. The star, uh, you know, Hollywood star Gerard Butler played you in the movie Machine Gun Preacher. And uh, as I've discussed with you before, uh, worth recounting, though, not everything in the original movie is true. There's a bit of Hollywood license in there.
1: Yeah, like I tell people all the time, there was a very big lie in that movie. Uh, I'm way better looking than Gerard Butler to start with. (laughs) But, you know, it it wasn't very accurate, but that's what Hollywood does. And a lot of Christians will say, well, why did you let him do the movie? Well, to start with, when you sign on the dotted line, they have complete control. But without the Hollywood movie, I wouldn't have had the platform where I've done 11 world tours preaching around the world, you know? So the movie gave me a platform to tell the true story. And then also there's in the makings right now, right before COVID, we were starting to deal on a part two machine gun preacher, but now because of COVID and uh, over two years has went by, I'm working in the Congo now in another war. So Now they want to redo the whole script, but we are suspecting by the end of 2023, the Part 2 Machine Gun Preacher should be started in the production.
0: Along with that too, also a documentary, Uh, so not just a a film which will give, as you say, what might well be partly a fictional account, but a documentary too. Will it be more accurate?
1: Yeah, yeah, the documentary is a 100% true. That will be started to shoot in February. Uh, now, this Part 2 Machine Gun Preacher will be way, way more accurate because we're going to keep our hands upon the script. Now, naturally, when you sign it into Hollywood, uh, they they want to change a few things, but it will be way more accurate than the, than the uh, first movie Machine Gun Preacher. And a lot of people say, well, what's part two going to be about? I believe part two is pretty exciting because I never stopped. And we're suspecting the, mo- the name of the movie in the documentary to be called Never Stop, Because so many times as Christians, we start something, we never finish it, we want to stop. So many times when we start getting old, we want to stop. We want to quit. Well, 27 years I've been in Africa, supporting Africa, living in Africa. Now I'm full-time missionary in Africa. But the whole thing is I never stop. You say the
0: movie created an amazing platform. It's enabled you to travel the world. Uh, The Machine Gun Preacher... Uh, The preacher that not only tells stories of incredible uh, courage and uh, miracles, as you've described a little earlier, but uh, this ability to attract a crowd. What sort of crowds come to see the machine gun preacher? As uh, someone who's a former biker, I can imagine people who are coming from some fringes of society who might be attracted to come and hear you share a testimony and to share the gospel amidst all of the amazing stories you tell.
1: You know, we have everything from the bike clubs to the drug addict to the homeless to the blue collar person to so many people that is looking for a change in life. You know, and something I found out over the years is we all have something in common. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict, a thug, a gangster, a criminal a millionaire, a rich man, or a blue-collar person, we all have something in common, and it's called hope. So I believe that the people that come to hear me, they're craving hope for their life. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're poor or you're rich. We have hope for our life. And I think the message that I carry is there for everyone, the rich man, the poor man, the homeless man, the one living in a mansion, I carry a message of hope for everyone.
0: Now, let me ask you something very controversial: Is there room in Africa for more machine gun missionaries? Uh, now, let you know no. the image, the image in in people's minds might be, uh, you know, I'm going to be toting a machine gun, perhaps killing people. Well, uh, let me no, just ask you about I'm that gonna, as well.
1: I'm going to tell you no, because see, things have changed. Now, what people got to remember. When I went to Africa over two and a half decades ago, I went into South Sudan. There was no government there at the time. So there was no government. You had good rebels and you had bad rebels. I started supporting the good rebels. But see, now times have changed now. Uh, Times have changed as far as there's governments there. So if you go into these countries and you pick up a firearm, you're going to be arrested. You know, and people say, well, how can you do it now? Like I said earlier, I run and operate a security company. You know, we are there to, to, uh, give, to, uh, to serve the people, protect the people. So uh, we're not only a missionary. We don't only have orphanages. We don't only do feeding programs. We don't only do uh, missions where we go into the bush rescuing children uh, from disease, malaria, and whatnot. We are a armed security company, so we give we give security to anyone that wants to hire us.
0: Let's talk about the mission organization that you are a part of, the Angels of East Africa. And the good work that they're doing. Give us a description of the sort of things they're involved in, and you know the perhaps the the potential. As you said, you know maybe this is not about uh, just uh, supporting the angels of East Africa, but there might be some listeners who might be thinking that's just what I want to do. Give us an insight into the work of the angels.
1: Absolutely, anybody can come and visit our work. Now, don't don't call me to come pick up a gun because that ain't going to happen. But you can come into our orphanages you can do mission work with us. Now, some of the work that we do, we're feeding over 10,000 meals every day. And right now that's a pretty tough situation because the, the cost of food has went up so much. So we have orphanages, we have training projects. Uh, our training projects, we train people how to work in hotels, fuel stations, supermarkets. Uh, we train them construction. Now, this is not volunteer training. We, we train people in East Africa that are locals, and they're on a payroll. So we're very big into doing that. One of the projects that we do that we've been doing for years is drilling wells. We've drilled over 50 wells over the years. We have repaired more than three dozen wells. Uh, We've built schools. We've built seven schools from the footer up. We're building number eight school right now. A big project that we got going on that we started about two years ago is called the Bush Kids Project. Now, you can go on my Facebook and you can see different ones of these projects. The Bush Kids Project, we go deep into the bush where there's no cars, there's no roads. We drive in in four-wheel drives on cow trails and we go in and we begin to treat children for malaria, bacteria infections, but we take doctors, we take nurses, we take a blood lab, we take security. This project is saving children, unbelievable, every time we go out, and it's been going on for two years. Then we have the Congo Project, where we're rescuing children out of war once again. So our whole project, anybody out there listening, we need your support. We need your help. You can even go to Africa and be a part of it. But our mission is rescuing and saving children.
0: Let me ask you about discipleship, uh, along with what you're doing, and uh, you've got a focus on that level of mission, uh, orphans and feeding uh, hungry children. Uh, discipleship, yeah. I- I've heard uh, the spirituality in Africa described as a mile wide and an inch thick, not necessarily very deep, although we're hearing about wonderful Uh, revival stories uh, for sub-Saharan Africa. 500 million believers, more believers being added to the church than can raise up enough leaders. Let me ask you about discipleship and Bible teaching in Africa. That's a real need, isn't
1: it? Right. Well, every project that we have, like the big orphanage in South Sudan, we have our own church there. Uh, uh, like the truck stop we have. We have a farm in northern Uganda. We have our own churches at each place like that. Some of the smaller orphanages and smaller projects, we attend other churches. But uh, for everyone out there listening, Jesus Christ is first in everything that we do. Discipleship is something we need even in America. We need more of it everywhere around the world. But I can tell everyone that's listening, Christ is first. You know, I'm I'm a fairly successful man. You know, I run a lot of businesses. We work over 580 people a day. But I can only tell people my success only comes through Jesus Christ.
0: When you're talking discipleship, Sam, something from your own story here. Uh, you were a biker. Uh, you heard that there was a need in Africa and decided to go and make a difference there. People who are maturing as Christian believers wondering, is it time for me to go? How do you know when it's time for you to go? How do you know where you should go? Should you put yourself in danger or should you look for somewhere safe? What are your thoughts on actually going when you feel that tug at the heart, that call from God to actually do something effective the way that you've done?
1: Well, the first thing is I believe mission work begins in your home community. So I believe that people in Australia, people in other countries, whatever your country is, I believe that mission work begins in your hometown. And I believe that once once you begin doing it in your hometown, then that's when God can expand you into other territories. But one of the things that I always tell people, I preach a lot on how do you know God is speaking to you? The, the first and main thing that I tell people around the world, how do you know God is speaking to you? You don't want to do it. When, when, when it was prophesied over me to go to Africa, When I knew God was speaking to me to go to Africa, I didn't want to go. I was unhappy. I did not want to go. If if you think God is speaking to you and you're all happy about doing it, it might not be God. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good thing, but I'm saying for me and a lot of other missionaries that I know, we didn't want to go. I was a successful businessman. I had a construction company. I had a real estate company. I had every reason not to go to Africa. The only thing that I had that I knew I had to do something about it is I had a calling from Jesus Christ to go rescue children.
0: So if you sense there's something of a calling, as you say, that mission work starts at home. So if you thought you were called to Africa, find some Africans in your communities here in Australia, and there are lots. I remember talking to someone just recently. You know, there's learn-to-drive programs, helping uh, Africans who've been refugees to learn to drive. So if you want to go to India, find some Indians in your community and start there. Is that the way you'd, you'd, you'd judge that?
1: Yeah, that's a very good thing, but it doesn't have to be people to the country that you're going. I believe the biggest thing to mission work is learning how to serve. So whether God wants you to go to Europe or or uh, Pakistan or or Africa I believe that we w- when we help in our community we begin to learn how to serve others. So I believe that's the first thing we need to do is learn how to serve others. And sometimes that can be in our own home church. You know the average person going to church today they attend church but they're not serving. In the church a big difference
0: we're taking calls 1-800-316-316 and time is short but let's take a call rowan is on the gold coast in queensland hi rowan welcome
1: hi um a great great story I, i've just been listening off the radio and i'm like wow um, i personally grew up in africa East Africa, which is Kenya. Uh, my parents have been missionaries there for a long time. So I understand some of the things that you've been talking about. We've, we've also gone to northern Kenya, which is the Kargi region, which is almost bothering Somalia. So we've been doing a lot of relief work there. Um, I haven't read your book or watched the movie, so I'm very keen to know uh, whether some of those rebels, you had the opportunity to preach the word of God to some of those rebels. And
0: whether they came to cry. Rowan, great question.
1: Absolutely. There's a story in my book where I went to uh, the, 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 the government was giving amnesty to some of these rebels. And the one rebel, I don't want to mention his name now, but the one rebel killed so many children and done horrible, horrible things to people. So, I heard they were getting ready to give him amnesty. They were going to give him a farm. They were going to give him farming equipment. And I couldn't believe it. So, I literally said to myself, I said, All right, I'm going to go down to where this guy is. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fight him. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fight him. I'm going to kill him. So, we went down. And here, when I started talking with the guy, uh, I ended up leading him to the Lord, said the sinner's prayer with him. And when I was leaving a few hours later, I was walking through the parking lot, and I was angry. And I even said to God, I said, God, I can't believe that. That guy murdered people. And I come down here to kill him, and look what happened. And I could hear God's voice, and God said, you did. You did kill him. And, you know, sometimes getting revenge is not the way we want it, but it's the way God wants it. So instead of taking that person's life because of the horrible things that I thought he needed to pay for, I led him to the Lord. So the old person was gone, and the new person was formed.
0: Okay. Rowan, thank you so much for your call. We won't take any more calls, just a few minutes in our conversation. Coming back to this image, Sam, you're a controversial figure. The thought that it's hard to reconcile a preacher – the Bible in one hand, machine gun in the other. You told me in an earlier conversation that you hadn't killed anyone. There is a certain sense in which just clearing the clearing the decks uh, on that question uh, for some people that might be an ethical concern. But uh, you know those commands: "Thou shalt not murder." Believe, those are that. Those are at believe, the heart. Sure.
1: I don't believe I ever told you that I didn't, and I know I never told you I did. You know, I don't talk about violence. I don't believe that as a Christian, we should talk about anything that does not glorify God. Uh, And so that's why no one has ever heard me say that I've killed anyone or that I didn't kill anyone, because I just don't talk about it. And I won't talk about it today because it doesn't glorify God. But I can tell you what glorifies God is what we tell of his miracles. When we tell what he's doing in the mission field, like last December, we done a crusade when, when people were still in lockdown, we done a crusade in Northern Uganda had nearly 8,000 people come out and we had people healed, people delivered. Uh, people were set free from, uh, from, from demons that had a strongholds on them. Uh, we fed over 6,000 people, uh, uh, course meal, you know. So I believe those are things we need to boast about. We should never boast about hurting people. We should never boast, boast about uh, being ugly to people. I believe we should only boast about saving people.
0: Well, Sam Childers, it's been a pleasure and a privilege talking through some of these issues with you, uh, overflowing with a different sort of wisdom than we're often exposed to. But Sam Childers, and you might know Sam from his book and uh, the encouragement. Get a hold of it. You'll be able to Google it and you'll be able to find it online, Another Man's War. Or if you watch the Hollywood feature film about his life called The Machine Gun Preacher starring Gerard Butler, just know that not everything in there is absolutely true and there's a little bit of Hollywood license. If you're in any of the towns that Sam is visiting, you might want to make an effort to invite a friend to go along and hear Sam speak. You can hear him tonight in Shepparton at the Encounter Church. You can hear him tomorrow night in Wagga Wagga at the Baptist Church and on Friday night at St. Clement's Anglican Church in Mossman in Sydney. There's two websites to give. One of those will have the dates, the mgpworldtour.com, mgpworldtour.com, and to connect with Sam Childers, the Machine Gun Preacher, the website machinegunpreacher.org. Sam, uh, great talking. Thanks so much for uh, connecting with us once again, sharing these thoughts with listeners today on 2020.
1: Thank you so much. And everyone out there, remember, if God can change me and use me, he can definitely use you. God bless you.
0: Thanks for taking time to listen
1: to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.